It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. And thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche just completed a heartbreaking defeat in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. One second remaining, and... The Ducks found a way to bury a goal past Pavel Francos to end the winning streak. Yeah, Avs get a point. Can always take some solace out of that. But to lose in that fashion, what a what an overtime, first of all. Multiple chances by both teams. Uh, but we'll get into the game as a whole in a little bit. We'll talk about some injured players that could be coming back very, very soon which would have helped in a game like tonight. I don't even think this game would have went to overtime if we were up to snuff on our on our uh, injured players and our roster. But it is what it is, and much better effort tonight by the Avalanche compared to uh, their game against Detroit the other day. So, uh, like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later, talk about some injured players that might be coming back, and talk about an interesting article in the Denver Post about the Avalanche and their current uh, road winning streak and what that means for teams that have gone into the playoffs with a winning streak like the Avs do on the road uh, and leave it to the Denver Post to rain on the parade but I mean it's it's a good article I don't really I don't bash the Denver Post like some people do uh, but it is an interesting article so we'll get into that a little bit later but first like we always do follow the show on social media outlets on Twitter LOPN underscore avalanche on Instagram, search for Locked on Avalanche and send questions, comments, concerns. If you want to be in the Fandom Friday segment, if you're angry and want to vent about the game tonight, or if you're satisfied in some way with some aspects of the game, send all those emails to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So this game, uh, I, I thought it was a, a very well-played game, a very hard-fought game. Very testy game. Uh, Anaheim is, you know, not really playing for anything other than pride and contracts. And, you know, when you're playing a team like that that's got nothing to lose, you, you normally get their best. And I wouldn't say the Ducks necessarily had their best, but they, you know, when, when, you, play, when you play a team like in the position that they're in, they're going to take some extra jabs and it's up to you if you want to retaliate. And there were times that the Avalanche retaliated, and I felt like the times that they did were warranted. And there were other times I thought there was kind of some cheap shots in there, and the Ducks were looking to draw penalties, and it worked. And uh, I didn't really think that they, uh, Nemetsnikov and Getzlaff, that's a mouthful, <laughs> uh, interaction <coughs> should have resulted in anything for Nemetsnikov. Uh, he he was playing till the whistle blew, and uh, fine if if you didn't like that he kind of took a the uh, 
a later than normal jab at the at the goalie. He really didn't take it at the goalie. It was kind of half goalie, half puck, but he couldn't see the puck. I have no problem with you kind of, you know, giving him a little jab after that. But he played the whistle. And then here comes, you know, Goonie Ryan Getzloff uh, just getting in the mix when he shouldn't be and causing a scene. And then kind of fights broke out, uh, minor ones left and right of them. And they give Nemesikov a penalty along with Getzlaff. So it's a four on four. I, that was in the third. I don't I don't understand that part. I, I just can't figure out why you're giving one to him. And it was, the penalty was for roughing. Who did he rough? He didn't rough anybody up. You know, they got into kind of like a grabbing match, but it, it was it was Getzlaff that was kind of the instigator in that whole thing. But I don't know. And it, it happened again not that much later. Uh, God, I want to say it was Barbario, uh, kind of like him, him and a guy in the ducks kind of slid into, uh, Fransos and Fransos lost his, his skate, the actual blade and <coughs> excuse me. Um, same thing they're, they're on both. These guys are on the ice. I'm almost, I think it was Barbario could be wrong, but the guy in the ducks just takes his gloves off and starts throwing haymakers at them and they they both get a penalty for that. I don't know. The the one the the fight the Belmar fight, that was okay, straight up fight. I mean, good good job on uh Pierre Edward Belmar for actually wanting to pick a fight. Um but the thing is, when you get into a fight when you're squaring up with a person like he was, you always run that risk of injury and he he did get injured. He came back obviously, but you know, during those times where he went, initially went to the penalty box for the penalty for the fight, uh, he went back into the locker room and you're like, we can't afford that, man. <laughs> like, I get you want to fight and, and protect whoever you're protecting. Maybe you're pe- protecting yourself, but uh, maybe proceed with caution next time because we need him. We need we need able-bodied players. As far as the game goes, that's all the extracurriculars, which was entertaining. I, I kind of I like that stuff in, in hockey games. I don't like when it overtakes the game, and it was on the verge of doing that for this game. Uh, but the game itself was a very well-played and hard-fought game on both sides. I thought the Ducks did a, a very good job of really clogging up that neutral zone. They know the speed of Colorado. They can't match the speed of Colorado. Um, and they did a really good job of, of pretty much having all five guys in the neutral zone or four and kind of one pressuring the abs, trying to bring it up ice. And it, and it seemed to work. And um, the, you know, the abs, what they do, they, 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 their first goal was, I got to remember who that was now. It was the Nemenstikov goal, yeah, and uh, Nathan McKinnon with a, a shot that he fired right on, right onto Miller, bounced off him, and Nemenstikov was right there. Uh, McKinnon, you, he he came to play tonight. This is kind of what we expect from him. He played, I thought, a fantastic game. He had uh, the the one he had the the assist on that play, and then the goal he had later on was typical Nathan McKinnon you are so concerned with his speed that you're watching his speed and mid stride he will fire a shot that you don't have a chance on and that is quintessential Nathan McKinnon Um, and he got that goal to get off of the goalish schneid 
but it was a, a such a meaningful goal for him and for the team and for the game. Got them, uh, pulled them back even, I believe, or did yeah, pulled them back even to a three to three to get them into the overtime session. Uh, but he played, he was everywhere. This is what I was talking about the other day when he can take over a game. He he got to that level, but the overtime is where he really took control of things. And that's, you don't get that a lot with him in overtime, which is really weird. Um, as skillful as he is and as uh, the speed he has in overtime, it, it, it's, he, it's almost like he's more comfortable with a five on five. Uh, but in that overtime session, man, he was everywhere. And even for the whole game, again, the, the, the abs threw a lot of goals on net and you, you had, Goals going off the crossbar and off the post, and they, they could have easily scored five goals in this game, but just didn't happen. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally... Sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, the game was back and forth stat-wise. We'll bring up the stats here for Avalanche, 35 shots on goal, two for three on the power play. Can't complain about that. Uh, Individual-wise, Jost with two assists. How about Tyson Jost? Continues to play well post-trade deadline. McKinnon with the one-and-one. Nemensikov with the goal. Landeskog with a three-point game, and I believe that was his first three-point game of the, the season. A goal and two assists. He's been playing fantastic. He's been playing Probably the best on the team, in my opinion, uh, since the the All Star break, I would say. 
Uh, but he's playing like a captain again. And uh, Sam Gerrard with an assist, and he had a breakaway in the overtime session that it was one-on-one. Him and Miller, and he could have buried it to end it. Just a good save by Miller. Nothing nothing you can really do about it. I did not see Nikita Zadorov in the third period at all. I don't know if it was injury-related. We know when that when something like this happens, we know this has happened before where Jared Bednar has benched him in the third. I don't know if that's what happened uh, or if it was injury. But because it's Zadorov and you know Bednar has benched him in the past, we're immediately going to go to he got benched again. Could be the case, could not be the case. I really don't know. He he only had eight minutes of ice time tonight. Eight minutes. So what's what's going on? Is that I didn't really see anything that might have been an injury. I'm trying to think of you know I'm recording this minutes after the game is over, so I haven't really seen anything or read anything as to why he had so few ice, few such few ice time. But I'm sure we will hear about that at some point, maybe later on on uh, the day off. As far as injured players who might be coming back. Uh, who was it? Rantanen, Grubauer, and Kadri all skated this morning. Positive signs there. So should they might return by the end of the week? That's always a possibility. Again, we'll probably get more updates on that on the off day. Uh, they would have helped immensely in a game like this. Kadri, uh, with his kind of grit and his goal ability um, and his power play ability. He, If you saw that first power play, the power play team was... Obviously, McKinnon and Landeskog, and it was Gerard, and then Comfort and Jost. That was your power play unit on the first power play. And I think for, uh, I don't know if it was for every single power play. They had three. But to have, if you, you had, look at where Tyson Jost has gone from. From, you know, the whipping boy to now he's on. And it's, it's injury-related. I get it. He's kind of filling in that role because of all the injuries. But still, that's impressive that they're tagging him to be on a power play. And he played great. He had a breakaway in the overtime session right before the Ducks scored the, the game winner with one second left. He had a breakaway, and the puck just jumped on him. Jumped on him, went right over the blade of his stick. He went crashing into the boards, couldn't get back on D. Ducks ran the other way and buried a goal with one second left. So game of inches, so many things happened all throughout the game, but especially in overtime. Uh, and a, those two plays, obviously, well, really, th- more than that, because the overtime was crazy. Those two breakaways McKinnon had a couple moves that if he had buried the goal would have been, you know, highlight real goals that you would have seen at the end of the year and top 10 moves of the season or goals of the season. Uh, that was him, like I said, taking over, but they just could not get ahead. They could not get that final game winning goal. Um, but they said they, they do get a point out of it. And those guys that you're missing, like like I said, Kadri clearly would have helped this game. Rantanen clearly would have helped in this game. Grubauer, you know, he skated around. Who I thought, you know, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference how Francois played compared to Grubauer. But I thought Francois played well. He gave up the, the goal early. Uh, kind of settled down 
and I thought he played okay. I mean, he's going to have rough games here and there. I wouldn't necessarily call this a rough game, um, but I think there's a couple that he wish he had back. There was two goals that uh, Anaheim scored behind the net and throwing like a laser pass right into the slot. That was kind of like bang, bang, that he really didn't have much time to react on those. The overtime goal seemed like it went off of uh, Gerard's stick. He had pretty good gap control, and his stick was right out, and it was uh, who Raquel who scored the goal, the game-winning goal, and it seemed like it just went off of Gerard's stick at the right angle that kind of had it take off just a little bit higher than what Francois was looking at. And there you go. One second left, and the Ducks get the extra point. So just one of those games that could have easily could have gone either way. Uh, but the the one goal that I know Francois wishes he has back was the third one where he just was slow to react. And he lost track of the puck and was slow to go from right to left. And I'm pretty sure it was the one that Sam Steele had. Um, and he pretty much had a wide open net. And it was just Francois lost track of the puck. So that's the one he would like to have back. The other two were just difficult plays. But you have to give him credit. You have to give Ryan Miller credit. He came up with some really big saves in overtime. And the the winning streak, the winning streak comes to an end. The point streak will continue for getting the overtime point. But uh, it's just one of those that clearly you'd like to have the extra point. But the way that they lost it with the with the one second to go. And there's no guarantee, you know, in the the shootout that you would have gotten it. But just to get to that point, you know, you don't. You, I'd rather lose uh, in overtime on the first possession of the opposition's possession than one second left. But things like this happen, and the good thing is, like I said, you got one day off, and then you're playing again. So the Denver Post put up an interesting article, and it's titled Avalanche have nine straight road wins, and no NHL team has done that and won the Stanley Cup. So thank you, Denver Post, for uh, ruining our season. So I guess we should just like pack it up and uh, not really play. <laughs> um, there's been 13 teams that have done that this in the past. There's two this year that have done it. Clearly, Avalanche right now, and the Rangers just did it uh, recently. I think last week, their their streak ended. So now there's 15 teams, clearly. Avalanche are you know, most likely going to the playoffs. Rangers are on the verge. They're on the cusp. They're not that far behind. I want to say they're four points behind. Um, so they could or could not make it. If, they, if the Rangers don't make it, they will be the first team to have a nine-game road winning streak and not make the playoffs in total. Every other team, all these other 13 teams, have at least made the playoffs. But none of them have won the Stanley Cup. Which is kind of odd, because when you have a good road record going into the playoffs, that's what you want. You want to be a good road team. Uh, and, And the Avalanche clearly are. Pretty sure they have the best road record in the NHL. Uh, don't if if they if they don't have the best, they are right there. But I'm almost positive they have the best road record in the NHL, which clearly is what you want 
when you're going into the playoffs. You're going into enemy territory. You're going to have to. And you want to win those games. You want to be confident in those games. But for whatever reason, the teams that have, and that's a difficult task, nine straight road wins, and then to have that not translate into success in the postseason is a little weird. It's a little weird. So the last team, let's see. So the record, by the way, for most road wins in a row is 12. And like I said, the Avalanche have nine. The 2005-2006 Red Wings had 12. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. And the 14-15 Minnesota Wild had 12 straight road wins. And they lost in the second round. As far as teams who had this many road wins in a row and went to the Stanley Cup, the... Let's see. Uh, uh, the Canucks did, and they lost in the cup final to the Bruins. And the 0001 Devils lost to Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, I mean, does this, what does this mean? Uh, you know, joking around in the beginning, I said, pack it up. Does it mean you're supposed to do that? Of course not. But it is a little odd that the teams that, are you know have a good road record and a streak like this for whatever reason um, it hasn't translated to postseason success and I am not even to venture as to why it's just maybe because it's just hockey and the parody is real <laughs> and teams get up in the playoffs so. Maybe it, maybe it's to the detriment. Maybe it's because you are so confident that you're a road team. Maybe you let down a little bit. Could be a number of things, but uh, I know I know the Avalanche this year are going to be ready to go when it, when they're on the road. So you're pretty confident whether they play at home or on the road that they can get a win. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. What do you guys think? Do you think this means anything going into the playoffs for the Avalanche, or is it just an anomaly? Uh, 13 times over, maybe 14 or 15. Imagine if the Rangers do make the playoffs and we have a Rangers-Avalanche-Stanley Cup, then that streak has to come to an end sooner or later. So let's root for that. Let's root for, Let's start rooting for the Rangers to get in the playoffs and then have a Rangers-Avalanche-Stanley uh, Cup. Clearly with us winning that in a four-game sweep, I would say. Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know, just interesting stuff. And I, it's, if you're a numbers person and getting into analytics and as to why things happen, if you can figure that out, let me know. So, we're going to call it a day for that for right now, guys. Uh, tough loss for the Az, but uh, a, a much better played game, in my opinion, than Dallas. Maybe and because they're on home ice, which they haven't been in a while. They were ready to go, but you wanted to see that win streak continue. You, I mean, it kind of had to end at some point, and you just hate seeing it end like that against that team. So, day off, and then I want to say San Jose. Checking my score really quick. Uh, no, Vancouver. I'm sorry. Vancouver on the road, then the day off, then on the road in San Jose. And then back-to-back San Jose and Kings. So one one home game and then right back on the road for another stretch of games. So maybe that's where we would rather be. And that would be nice because if we win all three of those games, we've tied that record of most uh, road wins in a row. 
If you win the Vancouver, that's 10. Sharks is 11. And then Kings would be really nice, again, uh, to tie it. And then you are home against the Rangers. So if you're gonna, if you have all three of those, you are not on the road again. Wow. So if you tie this thing, this is interesting. If you tie this road uh, streak, this road winning streak, you will tie it against the Kings on Monday. Let's see. That's Monday the 9th. And then if you are going to beat it. You don't play a road game until the 19th against the Predators. So you got a, a 10-day wait to try to break a uh, NHL record, but you know one at a time at this point, right? So that's going to be it for today, guys. Enjoy the off day. We'll be back with another show tomorrow. We will preview the Canucks game. And any other injury updates that we have, which we should be getting some, and maybe solving this Nikita Zadorov mystery as well. So have a good day, everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go!